0: You're listening to Children of the Living God, a podcast series on the book of Hosea, trying to get a little dose of the Old Testament in for your day. If you've got trouble reading the Bible, this is a series for you uh, to get familiar with some of the minor prophets and with some of the concepts in the Old Testament in general. So we've been looking at the book of Hosea with its major theme of God's redemptive love for His people. And he's talking about how it, just like a faithful husband has a jealousy for his unfaithful wife, God has this jealousy for Israel. God brought Israel out of slavery and loved Israel and raised Israel and cared for Israel. And Israel has responded with rebellion and idolatry. They have turned toward false. God's. And as a result, God will discipline his unfaithful wife by letting her sink into the consequences of her sin. But his purposes, even in his discipline, even in kicking them out of the land, is redemptive. He has a grand plan to bring her back to himself. And that's the big idea of Hosea chapters 10 through 11, we see that the God who cast Israel away is the God who will bring her back and that this is Israel's hope for the future. This is Hosea chapter 10 from the New Living Translation. How prosperous Israel is, a luxuriant vine loaded with fruit But the richer the people get, the more pagan altars they build. The more bountiful their harvest, the more beautiful their sacred pillars. The hearts of the people are fickle. They are guilty and must be punished. The Lord will break down their altars and smash their sacred pillars. Then they will say, we have no king because we didn't fear the Lord. But even if we had a king, what could he do for us anyway? They spout empty words and make covenants they don't intend to keep. So injustice springs up among them, like poisonous weeds in a farmer's field. The people of Samaria tremble in fear for their calf idol at Beth-Aven, and they mourn for it. Though its priests rejoice over it, its glory will be stripped away. This idol will be carted away to Assyria, a gift to the great king there. Ephraim will be ridiculed and Israel will be shamed because its people have trusted in his idol Samaria and its king will be cut off and they will float away like driftwood on an ocean wave and the pagan shrines of Avon the place of Israel's sin will crumble thorns and thistles will grow up around their altars they will beg the mountains bury us and plead with the hills fall on us The Lord says, O Israel, ever since Gibeah, there has been only sin and more sin. You have made no progress whatsoever. Was it not right that the wicked men of Gibeah were attacked? Now, whenever it fits my plan, I will attack you too. I will call out the armies of the nations to punish you for your multiplied sins. Israel is like a trained heifer treading out the grain, an easy job she loves. But I will put a heavy yoke on her tender neck. I will force Judah to pull the plow and Israel to break up the hard ground. I said, plant the good seeds of righteousness, and you will harvest a crop of love. Plow up the hard ground of your hearts, for now is the time to seek the Lord, that he may come and shower righteousness upon you. But you have cultivated wickedness and harvested a thriving crop of sins. You have eaten the fruit of lies, trusting in your military might, believing that great armies could make your nation safe. Now the terrors of war will rise among your people. All your fortifications will fall. Just as one Shalman destroyed Beth Arbel, even mothers and children were dashed to death there. You will share that fate, Bethel, because of your great wickedness. When the day of judgment dawns, the king of Israel will be completely destroyed. When Israel was a child, I loved him and called my son out of Egypt. But the more I called to him, the further he moved away from me offering sacrifices to the images of Baal and burning incense to idols. I myself taught Israel how to walk, leading him along by the hand. But he doesn't know or even care that it was I who took care of him. I led Israel along with my ropes of kindness and love. I lifted the yoke from his neck and I myself stooped to feed him. But since my people refuse to return to me, they will return to Egypt and will be forced to serve Assyria. War will swirl through their cities. Their enemies will crash through their gates. They will destroy them, trapping them in their own evil plans. For my people are determined to desert me. They call me the Most High, but they don't truly honor me. Oh, how can I give you up, Israel? How can I let you go? How can I destroy you like Adma or demolish you like Zebuim? My heart is torn within me and my compassion overflows. No, I will not unleash my fierce anger. I will not completely destroy Israel, for I am God and not a mere mortal. I am the Holy One living among you, and I will not come to destroy. For someday the people will follow me. I, the Lord, will roar like a lion. And when I roar, my people will return, trembling from the west. Like a flock of birds, they will come from Egypt. Trembling like doves, they will return from Assyria. And I will bring them home again, says the Lord. Hosea's imagery uh, is very descriptive and vivid. God uses three images to describe Israel. Uh, First, God calls Israel a luxuriant vine. God planted Israel in the best soil for a purpose, to be his vine so that she would bear fruit. And that fruit was to be righteousness and justice. Israel was to be God's vessel of Enlightenment and knowledge of God to the rest of the world to spread justice and righteousness. But instead, God went to his vine and found nothing but sin and idolatry. Instead of producing good fruit, she has become a poisonous weed. She has borne sour fruit. Second, God calls Israel a trained heifer, which is a female cow. She was to plow the land. And so that seed could be planted in and and harvest righteousness and love. But instead, Israel rebelled. She went against God's command and sowed seeds of iniquity, injustice, and lies. The more that God blessed her, the more she rebelled. She trusted in her own military power over God. And as a result, God says, I'm going to kick you out of the land. You have become self-sufficient. You're either trusting in your own military might or you're going to Assyria and Egypt to help give your nation security instead of coming to me. Instead of repenting, confessing your sin and trusting in my provision for you. And so God says, I'm going to kick you out out of the land. And this literally was fulfilled in 722 BC when Assyria invaded northern Israel. Remember, Israel at the time is split in two. The northern kingdom is Israel. The southern kingdom is Judah. Assyria is going to come in and conquer and take over Israel. And that's why God says your idols that you trust that are going to be carted away. They can't help you. They can't save you. They're going to be in a basket in a cage, along with you, shipped off to another nation. That's what happens when you trust in idols. And the final image that God uses is that of a beloved son. God calls Israel his beloved child. We see God's love for Israel like a father's for his son who continually rebels. God calls the son out of Egypt, which is a reference to the Exodus. But the more that God loves his son, the more his son turns away to idols. It's a very one-sided relationship. God taught Israel to walk, led him through the wilderness, cared for him with kindness and love, stooped down to feed him, but Israel still rebels. This is this, the narrative of the entire Old Testament. If you read even just Numbers and Deuteronomy and Exodus, you see Israel's history of unfaithfulness. Israel rebels against God despite all the grace and mercy and kindness he shows to the nation. Yet God still has compassion for Israel. This is so key. We hear God's heart of anguish over his people. He cannot let them go or give them up. His heart is torn and he is filled with compassion. And even though he's going to discipline Israel by sending Israel out of the land, His love for his wayward wife still remains. He will not pour out all of his wrath. And one day he'll call out like a lion and bring all of his people scattered among the nations to Assyria and Egypt, and he's going to bring them back to the land. He will restore his people. Now, one key aspect of Hosea 11 is in the first two verses. And these verses are actually quoted in Matthew 2.15. So God says out of Egypt I called my son referring to the exodus he called Israel out of Egypt but in Matthew 2:15 we see that Matthew says that verse in Hosea 11:1 is actually fulfilled by Joseph Mary and Jesus leaving Egypt if you remember in the in the in in Jesus's childhood, Herod sends out a message. He wants to kill all the children in Israel. So Joseph, Mary, and Jesus, they flee to Egypt until Herod's done, and then they return. And Matthew says that return from Egypt back to uh, Israel is the fulfillment of what Hosea is saying when God says, I called my son out of Egypt. Now, what we have here is what's called a dual fulfillment. There's a near fulfillment and a, and a greater future fulfillment. In other words, when Hosea is speaking this prophecy, God in the near future is going to return his people out of exile. And we see that in Nehemiah and Ezra, right? God pulls Israel back out of Babylon and brings them back to the land. But it's not a, a, a final fulfillment. There's still a further greater fulfillment to come. And that's when Jesus leaves Egypt. So there's a near fulfillment and a greater future fulfillment. And so what we see is that Jesus is Israel fully blossomed. If you want to think about the relation between a seed and a tree, a seed and a tree have the same DNA. They have the same material, but they're in different forms. One is a more mature, uh, fully blossomed form of the other. A tree is, is all the potential of the seed brought to light. Jesus is the tree. Israel is the seed. Israel fully blossomed is seen in the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus is the true Israel. He is the true vine. He is the true beloved son. He is the one who sows seeds of righteousness and justice. But unlike the nation of Israel, he does not rebel but obeys God in everything. So Jesus is seen in the Gospel of Matthew as the fulfillment of Israel. He is the true Israel. He is everything that Israel is meant to be, which means if we are in Christ, which is the most common way of describing a Christian in New Testament, in Christ, that means we are in Jesus. We are in Christ, which means we are grafted into the true Israel. The church is the fulfillment of God's plan, not just to bring back his own from exile, but to bring in people from every tribe, tongue, and nation into the church into the true Israel into the fulfillment of everything he had promised beforehand and in Christ the apostle saw the fulfillment of the story of Israel in Christ and by extension in the church which is his body so what hosea saw was was bigger than he even realized hosea wanted a nation out of exile ransomed by god but god wanted the world god wanted A church not just of Israelites, but of Gentiles, ransomed by the blood of Christ, brought in out of sin to be his people. His redeeming love is bigger than we can imagine. If this was helpful for you, please share with a friend, leave a review, and we'll be back next week as we continue on with our series through the book of Hosea. Thank you guys for listening.